Welcome to Psychedelicast. Hosted by Clinton Cayley, this show is an interview-based podcast focused on offering listeners in-depth information concerning plant medicines, entheogens, and all subjects tangential to psychedelia. Join us in prying open the third eye. Greetings, witches and warlocks. Welcome to another episode of Psychedelicast. We've got a fascinating discussion for you today with Carlos Tanner of the Ayahuasca Foundation. Yes, that is the same Ayahuasca Foundation that was featured in the Netflix docu-series Down to Earth. Um, And Zac Efron visited and spoke with uh, our guest today. And, you know, that's not the point of this, but it's a it's pretty cool. And we're going to get into all that with Carlos. Super excited to deliver this one to you. Um, it is a beautiful Sunday morning here in the on the outskirts of Bogota, Colombia. I'm in a little town called Chia doing my editing for this morning. Once again, I apologize for the sounds of the road outside my window. For the last few episodes, you guys should be aware um, traveling in these in these countries does not afford me a the uh, studio opportunity that I normally have back home. So hopefully the content is good enough to hold your attention, all audio difficulty aside. So yeah, I'm actually gearing up to leave Columbia tomorrow around 10 o'clock p.m. I will be boarding an airplane and flying into Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, super excited to visit Brazil and see what's all it has to offer explore adventure there but i am definitely sad to leave colombia this place is absolutely beautiful i've had a wonderful time here i've met some beautiful wonderful people and i'm sad to leave the country and to leave the people and to leave the experience uh, i will be back to colombia i have nothing but wonderful things to say and have had nothing but wonderful experiences i've had literally no negative interaction with anyone here Um, and I was warned vehemently by many people, people in my family, don't go to Colombia, it's dangerous, blah, 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 dude, none of that has happened, Colombia is fucking awesome, I love it here, and, uh, I don't want to leave, and I can't wait to come back. Let's get into our housekeeping, and then we'll do our interview with Carlos Tanner of the Ayahuasca Foundation. Here at Psychedelicast, we are all about supporting and promoting people, projects, and products in the psychedelic arena. If you or someone you know has any project you would like to promote via the show, reach out to me at clintonkaylee at gmail.com or at Psychedelicast via social media. Thanks, guys. So beyond helping us find some promotion for the show, you know it would be super dope for both myself, the show, and you, the listener is if you would come on over to our Patreon group, Psychedelicast Psychonauts. We only have one tier. It's very, very simple. It's $3 a month. For $3 a month, you get four extra episodes per month. That's roughly $0.75 per episode you're paying uh, for anywhere between a half hour to an hour and a half to two hours of content per episode, depending on the no-trip sitter or the Psychedelicast Psychonaut. So what we're doing there in that group is you are getting access to all No Trip Sitters, all future No Trip Sitters, of which one drops in conjunction with this episode. So if you want to listen to two episodes today, you just have to join us at www.patreon.com slash psychedelicast. $3 a month is the only option. 
For that, you're going to get access to those four extra episodes a month. You are also going to be given the opportunity to come on the show and tell us your trippy tale or your psychedelic experience or whatever you want to talk about, dude. The platform is yours. I'm going to call you on Skype. We're going to talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about. It's only $3 a month, guys. It really helps support the show. I don't think that any other psychedelic show or, I mean, I don't really know of many good shows that are doing this offering their fans the listeners an an opportunity to actually be a part of the recorded show so for the price three dollars a month i think you're really getting a a great quality product and i think you're getting a lot for your money so i feel good about asking that much and the price may go up in the future because honestly this is a lot of work and uh, i love you guys and i'm not doing this for the money lord knows this podcast does not pay the bills um but with that being said, join us at www.patreon.com slash psychedelicast for more psychedelic shit. Thanks, guys. Let's get into our psychedelic news. In psychedelic news today, we have an article for you from insider.com. This article was published on October 30th, 2020, and was written by Julia Naftalin. It's entitled, Oregon May Become the First State to Legalize Magic Mushroom Therapy on Election Day. On November 3rd, Oregonians will vote on whether to legalize psilocybin, the psychedelic ingredient in magic mushrooms. If Measure 109 passes, Oregon will be the first state to legalize the substance for therapeutic uses. For anyone who isn't using the substance under the guidance of a therapist or licensed facilitator, possessing psilocybin would still be considered illegal. Magic mushrooms have been on the psychedelic scene for decades, but they've recently gained traction in the medical community as a potential treatment for anxiety and depression. Oregon's ballot measure could make the substance more readily available for those interested in its therapeutic effects. In November 2018, researchers at John Hopkins published a paper urging the government to make psilocybin legally available in clinical settings after their small studies showed the drug improved anxiety and depression in cancer patients. NYU researchers have also conducted small studies of the psychedelic drug's psychological effects on cancer patients. Study participants with a history of mental illness have cited decreased depression, anxiety, and PTSD symptoms. Participants with no mental health history have also noticed benefits citing an improvement in life satisfaction. Psychedelic researchers have said these studies helped spur a psychedelic renaissance in the U.S. Microdosing, or taking such a small amount of a psychedelic substance that it may have a therapeutic benefit without the typical hallucinogenic side effects, has also increased in popularity in recent years. Some say microdosing psychedelics like psilocybin or LSD increases productivity. The discovery of ketamine, another psychedelic, as a depression treatment has added to the growing call to legalize psychedelic drugs for therapeutic uses. So a uh, similar article to many that we've read here recently, but I thought this one to be slightly different as it speaks to actual legalization as opposed to to decriminalization. Um, Let's go ahead and talk to Carlos Tanner of the Ayahuasca Foundation. I am the host of a podcast called Psychedelicast. I'm super excited to have you today. 
Dude, you know, I didn't even realize who you were or what your project was until just recently. So I'm super excited to talk to you. Cool. Um, yeah, I actually saw your, I saw the Ayahuasca Foundation, which is uh, what we're going to discuss today. I saw it on a Netflix documentary series here recently. And as I was looking at your website, I was like, hang on a second, this sounds familiar. And sure enough, this is the, uh, you are the founder of the Ayahuasca Foundation, which is uh, featured in a very prominent Netflix documentary at the moment. So uh, crazy. Why, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Uh, my name is Carlos Tanner. I am 46 years old, man. Um and I'm originally from Massachusetts. That's actually where I am right now, although this is like a wallpaper. Um, I'm staying with my dad. I've been here, you know, throughout the pandemic. It's been a blessing, actually, to be able to stay here and, and be with my family. Um, and I first went down to Peru in 2003 and experienced ayahuasca in hopes of kind of saving my life, which had been spiraling out of control. I was really kind of falling apart with uh, depression and addiction and um, physical illness as well that doctors couldn't diagnose. And I hoped that maybe seeing a shaman in the Amazon rainforest would be the solution. And it turns out that it totally was the solution in the most incredible way I could have ever imagined. Um, and during that time, I'm sorry, my dog is like... <laughs> That's me. okay, man. I'm I'm in uh, I'm in Col Cartagena, Colombia right now. So there's oh, people yeah. like blasting by on like motorcycles with no mufflers. Like it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so uh, I, during my time with that shaman, whose name was Don Juan Tangoa, he told me that I had the potential to be a healer. He invited me to become his apprentice and. Um, I accepted that offer because my experiences were pointing in the very same direction. And I was, I mean, it's a crazy blessing looking back, but I moved in with him and his family in January of 2004. I lived with him for four years. And at the end of that time came up with the idea for the Ayahuasca Foundation, which became a legally registered nonprofit organization in 2009. And yeah, we've been operating for over 10 years now offering courses, uh, educational courses, healing retreats. And in 2017, we built a research center and last year hosted the first ever government funded ayahuasca research that was funded by the British Medical Research Council to look at treatment for ayahuasca anxiety. I'm sorry, look at treatment for depression, anxiety and trauma using ayahuasca and plant medicine. And yeah, I mean, it's been a crazy, a crazy journey that I have been lucky enough to get to ride on and, you know, the, this path that has brought so much magic and mystery in my life. And even with the, the Netflix, like the series of synchronicities and, and magic to make that happen was almost comical because we were we were not planned to be a part of that show at all. And um when Zac Efron arrived in Lima, word got out like this like sneak uh, leak 
to the media got out, they suspect that it was through the airline. And newspapers started writing that Zac Efron was going to be in Iquitos and arriving on this day. And so when he arrived in Iquitos to shoot something that had nothing to do with our center, there was 500 people outside the airport, like screaming for him. And then this like mob of cars followed his his uh, crew to the hotel where there were then like a thousand people outside the hotel and he didn't feel safe. The police had to come and build barricades around the door. And so immediately the producers wow. had to come up with a, a plan B. And I, to this day, I don't know how they found me, but I was the plan B, which because I had a center that was nice enough to accommodate them. I'm being nice enough in the sense of like their, um, you know, desired style of life, I guess. And, um, but also way remote. And so they, they realized we got to get out of here, you know? And so we put it together in two days. They contacted me on a Thursday and Saturday we were filming and, and I look back and I'm like, how did that happen? You know, and and that's kind of a, a just a one piece of the examples of what this whole journey has been for me is just like, how did that happen? Of course, I have ideas of how it happened. And of course, that has a lot to do with my faith. And hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to about that more. But yeah, it's just been an incredible journey. And now it's like leading to stuff like this where you and I get a chance to talk and all of it's just, a, you know, an infinite connection of blessings one after the other yeah i agree with you um yeah i don't want to talk solely about zach efron and all that but that, <laughs> is, that that is interesting i mean he's a quite a handsome man and uh, that was a really well done segment um i definitely want to talk about your faith and your belief and kind of your path uh through this although you've given us a brief overview in general i know that ayahuasca in particular in particular for me is the one of the great mysteries of life i've only uh experienced ayahuasca twice but i can tell you from just those two experiences that it's been the most profound probably yeah the most profound experiences of my life and i've had other very profound ones as well with uh you know in, in other moments and other substances other plants um but yeah the the psychedelic experience in and of itself seems to like only further and deepen the mystery it's like people a lot of people are seeking answers and you do get answers to often to things that you're not even questions you're not even asking and then the mystery only gets bigger like the more the further you go in and the more you engage with these uh with whatever is happening here be it a neurochemical exchange or an actual portal into a spiritual realm or another dimension that's for listeners and other people to decide i know each of us have our own kind of uh idea of what's happening there um but yeah it doesn't seem to get any more narrowed down with time it only seems to expand further and become more grandiose and uh, that's what I tell people is like every time I come out of one of these experiences, although I've learned something profound and important about myself and life and the way the world works or the way my world works, um, I know less than I did before I went in or there's more to learn now than before I initially went in. Um, and that's very interesting. But I do want to ask, why didn't Zach drink ayahuasca? 
Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you know, I just laid out that 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 wasn't part of the plan. So had we been like scheduled in in the months, you know, beforehand, okay. there was a, a higher likelihood that we that could have been involved. But we were literally like this last minute. And that just makes in, sense. in general, I wouldn't recommend that anyone do ayahuasca like last minute. Like, oh, there's yeah. a ceremony. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. You know, I don't think that's a great idea. But also, but but I honestly I think that Zach would have drank ayahuasca. Um, I'll, I'll I'll like give you a little bit of the play by play. Uh, I showed up, you know, essentially they had already arrived at our center, even though we had come to a, a time when we would agree to meet there. They just decided to get out. I, I'm assuming as early as possible. So they were there like uh, an hour before we got there, or what I got there. And um, immediately we sat down with the producers and we just started describing like what would be filmed and, and, you know, my ideas and how to like craft this episode, you know. And and so Zach was sitting right next to me. And I will say that, like, the very first thing he did, I mean, he's a very he's just a normal person, you know, he's a great person, to be honest, real humble person. But he asked me if I had a mapacho. And a mapacho is like the jungle cigarettes. It's um, mapacho is the name of the the tobacco uh, or a different species, but it's the same family, Nicotiana rustica, in the jungle. And and I was kind of taken back, like, oh, mapacho, you know, that's a, a word that maybe not everybody knows. Here he knew that, and I did. I always have a mapacho if I'm in the jungle, so I pulled one out and you know and gave it to him and. Um, and then we started talk I started talking with the producers and at one point you know I said well we didn't have a lot of time to discuss this so you know I'm ready to go we can have a ceremony tonight and um and they were like yeah and and their commentary was well the contracts for the crew says that they'll work 9 to 5 and so if they do a ceremony, we'll have to pay them overtime. And, you know, like that's what they started talking about amongst themselves. And so their considerations weren't so much about, you know, whether or not there should be a psychedelic experience involved. But it was kind of much more like, a, I don't know, logistical. logistical. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Makes but, sense. But then I... I said, well, you know, you could film it like with this tiny little crew, like one person, essentially. And and you don't even, you know, like we could kind of almost fake it. Like we could just like have a ceremony just to show you what it would be like. And you could just film, you know, 20 minutes of the of the opening of it, like pouring cups and stuff. And, um, you know, I was still trying to push for it, obviously. And at that point, I just turned because Zach was right there, you know, and I just said, Zach, if we did have a ceremony tonight, even if it wasn't filmed, would you drink? And um, and, you know, because, yeah, I, how many times do you get a chance to drink ayahuasca with Zach Efron, you know? Um, <laughs> but the producers kind of like were all there were three producers, all of them were just like, no, no, you know, like that's not <laughs> yeah. going to happen. And again, I, you know, there's a lot of reasons. I didn't pry into it. One reason could definitely be that they had to shoot the next day. You know, if you're a producer, you want, you you, you know, you don't want your, uh, 
your star to to spend the whole night taking a psychedelic if they've got to go to work in the morning, you know? And not to mention that your star is about to undergo a a life altering experience and your star may not want to be your star again tomorrow. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean all the image ideas too and whether they would have to answer all these questions about it and would the headlines focus on that over, you know, the rest of what they were hoping to promote with the show. Like I totally understand it, you know. Sure. But I will say that I spoke with Zach at length about ayahuasca to the point where at one point I just said straight up, have you drank ayahuasca? Because the way he was talking was not like a normal way of talking if you have not drank ayahuasca. You know, like I've talked to enough people and, you know, a person can talk a certain way and I just know, well, you've drunk ayahuasca. So I, I at one point just point blank said, have you drunk ayahuasca? And his response was interesting because he paused like in contemplation of how to answer the question and then said, well, I know about it. And now mm. I thought that's an unusual answer. It's kind of a yes or no question, you know, yeah. <laughs> however you're having. And and so I wasn't sure if either he knows a lot of people who have drank it to the point where he has gained a lot of information and understands like the language or he has drank but doesn't want to tell me because we who am I and who will I tell and, you know, what podcast will I announce that on? Um <laughs> And so well, I don't, here, here at I don't know, but... we, won't, uh, we won't out uh, Zach Efron. <laughs> right. we, don't, we don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. I don't know. He, I will say that he definitely knew a lot about it, um, which it was pleasantly surprising to me. And but his partner in the show, Darren Oline, he on camera said that he had drunk ayahuasca, but they edited that part out. In fact, they edited a lot of like, um, well, they edited a lot. They they yeah. put, they chose a particular narrative and you know sure. of course I'm I, I'm just so grateful that I got to be a part of the show so absolutely man and you know we don't have to discuss that part too much more but yeah I'm grateful for you because I know that's going to be fantastic exposure for not only your project in and of itself but for the medicine in general and a lot of people are going to be reached through that who otherwise would have never even known that ayahuasca existed. And uh, it's funny that you bring that up about speaking the language of ayahuasca or whatever you want to call it, because I remember it was probably like five years ago that I first, five or six years ago, that I first became aware that there was a thing called ayahuasca. You know, I've been involved in counterculture and psychedelia for 10 years at this point, um, but I had never somehow had never come across ayahuasca. I think it was like I, I became aware of DMT and what that was. And that kind of eventually led me to discovering what ayahuasca is. And I knew immediately the first time that I became aware of the concept of it, I was like, OK, I, this is something I have to go try. I really want to do this. I need to do this, whatever. And so I spent the next like three or four years kind of collecting all this information and reading. Like I probably read like three or four different books on ayahuasca. I watched every fucking video on YouTube. Like I just did all this homework, right? And then my first night I get there and 
I'm feeling pretty confident, you know, like I'm like a pretty seasoned psychonaut, if you want to call, if, if, you know, that's what you want to call it. But uh, I'm feeling pretty confident, not, you know, I got the general anxiety of pr- prior to any psychedelic experience that most people feel. Um, and then we, we go through our ritual, the space is all blessed, and we, we drink, and the lights go out, and it's pitch black. And then, however, X amount of time later, the experience starts. And for me, it, it's like the DMT rush immediately, intense geometry, very, very intensely visual and mind-bending. And just the only way I can describe it that I've described in the past is violent. It was just like a violent psychedelic experience initially. And uh, I'm kind of like not struggling, but I'm like trying to find my way to maneuver through this and like let it happen and not get caught on too many things. And then I get to this point through many other insane, incredible, unbelievable, indescribable experiences to where the spirit of Mother Ayahuasca or whatever you want to call what's happening during these moments, some sort of intelligent entity connection or connection with another facet of your subconscious, whatever's happening here. Um, it's like the spirit is laughing at me and I, and I'm like, why are you laughing at me? And it's like, because you did all that homework and read all those books. And what do you think now? Like, <laughs> like none of this. And so then I'm like, you're right. This is fucking hilarious. And so I'm laughing at myself. We're laughing together. I'm like, you're right. Nothing could have possibly prepared me for this. And it's hilarious to think that you could read a book to somehow prepare yourself for this experience. And I just say that as an anecdote for that uh, kind of speaking the language of ayahuasca, because by the time I got to Peru to drink, I was very knowledgeable, although I had not had the experience. And, you know, after the experience, it was just hilarious. I just, I laughed about it for an hour. I still laugh about it. It's like, and people, you know, ask me, dude, what's it like? And I'm like, bro, there's no point for me to, try to describe this to you. I mean, I can, and I'm pretty good at it, but it's beyond description, you know, as you well know. So just a personal anecdote from my introduction to ayahuasca. My second night was completely different. It was, and I was much more, uh, I had much more anxiety the second night because I had seen this magnitude of power that I had never experienced before. You know, like I had taken pretty hard LSD trips, mushroom trips, but this was like, I don't know. It just dwarfed all those it just made it like I hadn't, it was like I had never had a psychedelic experience before that night. Right. And so the second night I was just terrified and I was like, all day, I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. There's no way I can do it. So finally, I get my courage up to do it. And the second night was completely different. It was very compassionate, very nurturing, very full of love and full of like just in- intense sensation, but not like this just like violent rapture of psychedelic of, of psychedelic uh, experience. And, and so, you know, it was like, I, and I know that's, that, that every psychedelic experience is different, obviously, but, uh, man, I was really fucking scared and it treated me like with compassion and it was really a great experience. And I had like a beautiful moment of closure with my grandmothers who had both passed away that year. And, uh, 
I didn't even know I needed that. And they were like with me, comforting me, nurturing me and basically, basically telling me to like forgive myself, not to feel guilty for like not being super close near the end of their lives and things like that. And it was like, you know, I had no idea I even needed that. And it was like, wow, this huge emotional release. And like, it was like, it was physical too. It was like my body was just shaking and like, I'm, I'm sweating and I'm crying. And it's like all this stuff, I can just feel it just like sapping its way out of my body. Like not just, not like I'm just letting it go psychologically, but it's like physically coming out of me in a strange way. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what you think is happening in the ayahuasca experience. You alluded to your faith earlier. Um, I'm interested to know kind of what what you think this is all about, what it means to you. What do you think is happening here? Yeah, man. I um, Thanks for sharing that story. Um, yeah, I mean, the word faith is a tricky one to define. I, I do use it because I think it's like trust, but more, you know, um, but it's very similar, like on the lines of trust. And, and I use it because I really don't know. There's so much that I don't know that I can only trust, you know, so I, I have ideas and, and they're based on my experiences. Um, but in the end, like, I don't know if any of us know, it's, it's very similar to what you were describing. It's like the more you know, the more you know how little you know, you know. Um, and, and so that kind of gets into like what's happening in, in the ayahuasca experience. And, and the way that I look at it um, is really through our perceptive abilities. And the reality that we know, uh, that everyone knows, is just heavily based on what they can see, what they can hear, you know, what they can experience and, and what they can perceive. And but we also kind of behind that, we know that there are limitations. I can only see a certain frequency spectrum of light, for example, or electromagnetic radiation to be more specific. And that's the visible spectrum. That's like whatever it was. I think it's four times 10 to the 14th uh, cycles per second to eight times 10 to the 14th cycles per second or Hertz. That's the entire spectrum of electromagnetic radiation that I can perceive with my eyes. But yet there are seven uh, spectrums entirety and the visible spectrum is just one. So scientifically, we've been able to like measure that there is, you know, x-rays and ultraviolet and infrared and gamma rays and like there's all this other stuff out there but I can't perceive it I, I I can't see it because I have biological limitations in my sensory perceptive abilities or the organs with which I use to uh, take in the world you know and so all I know is the visible spectrum I don't know what is in the infrared, for example, and I don't know what's in the ultraviolet. And so my entire reality is dictated by the limitations of my biological capacity to perceive. And that's just my eyes. The, your ears are the same. We know like a dog can hear better than us or can hear higher frequencies than us or, 
you know, their spectrum of frequencies with sound is different than ours and owls, you know, and, and, you know, like we have all these examples of, of animals that can see in or uh, can perceive in a different spectrum of, of frequency. And ayahuasca amplifies that ability. It amplifies it expands the spectrum that we can see. It expands the spectrum that we can hear. Those frequencies go out beyond the visible spectrum, for example, into the ultraviolet, into the infrared. And now we can see things that we couldn't see normally. And once you do that, once you see that, oh my gosh, there's stuff that I didn't include in my reality. This whole time, I thought that reality ended here and here. And now I see that no, I end here and here in my perceptive ability, but reality goes farther out. And that's when you start to have this like expansion where you're like, oh my God, you know, like everything yeah. I thought I knew was actually a little piece of everything there is yeah. in a greater context of this exactly it's not it's like uh you know it's like you want to say oh man i was wrong this whole time and it's like well no you were kind of right with the information that you were privy to but right. like like uh the great jeffrey lebowski says uh this new shit has come to light man new shit has come to light exactly and uh it's odd, you know, I've, I've spoken at, about this at length on the show before, but yeah, my experience with ayahuasca after my first night was like so many core foundational things that I thought about the way the world worked in reality uh, manifested were altered. Like I would say at that point in my life, I was – I was skeptical, like a skeptical atheist, like skeptical of atheism but highly, highly skeptical of religion and spirituality or anything like that. And it was like immediately after that experience, I was like, okay, dude, I was wrong. Something is going on here that is beyond my ability to comprehend and understand. And now I've seen a glimpse of it. And it's like, you can't go back to thinking there is no, I don't know, God or higher power or love or whatever it is and i remember distinctly that realization coming to me like you have to change the way you view everything now and it was like okay yeah we probably should do that or else like why would you want to have this experience you know yeah well i mean even if you've never had a psychedelic experience i think that you you can put it into context in a similar way that you probably grew up in a town and you didn't leave that town for a while, you know? And then there was this point where you went on your first like vacation, you went on your first trip or something and you went and experienced what it was like to be in another culture. You know, that was like a first time. Maybe you'd like driven down and it was still like the next town over was a lot like your town. And you might've noticed like, oh, this is a little bit different. They've got a different pizza place or something. But then you like go to another country, you know, you go far away and now you're like, whoa, you know, like, oh, and your eyes open to the reality that life isn't the same everywhere. 
you know, and it really depends on where you are as to what it's like to be alive, like what it means to like wake up in the morning and do what you got to do. And and that is kind of the same thing, except this time you're you're you know, you're not taking a vacation to uh, South America. You're taking a vacation to another dimension, you know, where you're like, oh, my God, like this is these beings are uh, not like the ones at home. Uh, but it's a very similar idea in the sense that you don't even like you you don't even tell yourself I've got to do this like it's just unavoidable like you just you have no choice it's like you know the easiest way to say it is if you always saw the world in black and white and then one day you got a chance to see it in color you're you're never gonna go back and see things in black and white the same way again. Even if you go back to the black and white, you'll be like, oh, I bet you that is red. You know, like all of a sudden now yeah. your interpretations of everything are gonna be altered forever. And and to me that the way that I have the easiest time to describe that is through the expansion of our awareness or, or literally through the amplification of our sensory perceptive ability. And, and that it's important to note that that includes senses that we don't normally recognize. We have the like classic five senses, but I think that we can all agree that we have other senses that maybe can generally be called intuitive or intuition, but... Mm-hmm. You know, if you've ever been in love with someone and then they uh, and then that relationship ends in 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 a painful way, you know, there's a reason why we say that you're heartbroken. Somebody didn't just say, hey, you know, what would be cool. Let's just say that's heartbroken like that definitely didn't happen. It was a literal description of our heart acting as a sensory perceptive organ. And we do receive information from our heart. And that's why we have it as part of our language. We refer to things that we know in our hearts. You know, we refer to love being something that comes into our hearts. We fill our hearts. We break our hearts. You know, our heart is a sensory organ, the same way that our eyes are or our tongue or our, you know, our ears. And and then we have our gut. Now, I, I'm probably going to go with that our gut is also a generalized um, collection. But regardless, we have our gut feelings, you know, and if you go with your gut, you know, there's there's a reason why we have this language. It, we wouldn't say, I've got a gut feeling if it was happening in our brain. That seems weird. Like, oh, I really mean brain, but I just said gut, of course. So we have these senses. And I want to I want to point those out because the amplification of those senses becomes especially like poignant in the ayahuasca experience. If you amplify the sensory perceptive abilities of your heart, for example, then you can get to a point where forgiveness becomes much more attainable or love for yourself or for others becomes much more attainable because you've expanded your ability. And, and your gut feelings, your intuition, what feels right to you. You know, maybe you have a gut feeling about what's going on in your life. And now you take an ayahuasca and that gut feeling has expanded. And now you're, you're, you're not wondering so much. You feel much more confident about what your gut has been telling you because it's been expanded. And so all of those like play into that ayahuasca experience. It's not so much about 
what you're perceiving outside of yourself. In fact, what you're perceiving outside of yourself is often less important than what you're, what's going on inside of yourself, which is usually the reason why people want to drink ayahuasca, because there's stuff going inside that they need to figure out or they need to be healed. You know, they want to get back on track in, in their health and happiness in their life. And, and, and that's why overall, like a greater awareness is going to be a key component to, to attaining that. Because if you have a greater awareness about what's happening, then clearly you now have a, a clearer picture of the path forward to resolving it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And uh, hang on one second. Okay, someone's giant dog is barking in the street. But yeah, man, that definitely makes sense to me. And I can think of several examples of that from my ayahuasca experience. There was definitely points where I felt that I was in, I mean, not really that I felt that I know for sure, because afterward I was confirmed with this other person that I was having this telepathic connection with them, which to me was absolute bullshit. If you would have told me that, but even though I had read that in like, books and seeing people talk about that i'm like there's no way that's bullshit that can't that doesn't happen and then in the midst of this experience i'm like okay there's no way that this i'm just like coming up with this this is definite a definite connection between me and this person i can feel it happening i can feel like not, it's not clear it's not like i'm just looking through their eyes but it's like I'm getting this emanation from them and I can feel it. And actually there was a point where it was coming to me from all around the room. Every person was like, I could feel um, in, in a general sense, I had like a general idea of what they were working through. It seemed to me like, I, you know, and I don't want to sound like um, uh, overly, uh, I don't know, cocky or whatever. Like I know what's going on here because I had no fucking idea and I was going through my own thing this whole time. But there was a moment where I could feel these like emanations from everyone around me and I could tell you like I knew what she's going through. Not exactly, but roughly. And then this person and this person and this person, like I could hear it as they're purging. I could feel it. I could see it coming out of them. And... uh you know that and it was like it was like that it was like my my field of uh sensory uh it was like my entire field was just opened up and dmt every time i've used dmt be it in ayahuasca or in smokable form it kind of has a classic feel to me initially like right off the bat and it feels like my entire body there's no way to really describe it but it feels like my body blossoms or like flowers open and oftentimes it feels like growing, like my whole body is growing outward, like literally like a plant. And sometimes I'll go into a plant-like vision where I'll see vines and my body has become this like vine that's climbing this pyramid or what have you. Um, but yeah, for me, DMT kind of causes that sensation of like expansion of my field of resonance. So I totally understand. There's a bunch of other shit that happened to me where I could speak to that, you know, but that's like the, that's the whole night of experiences of just emanations and vibrations coming from people. Um, so Dude, yeah, I, I love that you just said, um, field and field of resonance is, is kind of like perfect to be honest. Um, because, you know, my description was was kind of staying in the lane of classic understanding of perception, but I would say that 
if you went deeper into what I, I view perception as, it definitely is more uh, a field of perception. Like I don't, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm like halfway thinking that my vision is light coming into my eyes, kind of like what we learned in school. And the other half of me is saying, no, I have, I have energy coming out, not necessarily of my eyes, but like when I'm looking at something, I'm kind of touching it with my field. And that is also like registering. And that has kind of been proven, if you want to say scientifically. And there's a guy named Rupert Sheldrake, who's I'm a huge fan of, who wrote a book um, with coining the term morphogenetic field. And um, morphic resonance, I think, is the name of the book, which is which is so like exactly how you just described it with your your field of resonance. And you know, he did all these studies that were essentially just proving our own experience, where when someone is looking at you, you you are often aware. You know, like you'll know if someone's looking at you, you'll just feel something. How could that be, unless there was some sort of interaction, some contact, you know, whether they're, and so he is describing it as like their field is, is entering into your field. And so you're picking up almost as if they're touching, like you, the way that if someone touches you, you feel their touch and they feel yours. That's also happening, but on a field level. And he refers to it as a biological field. And that to me is a more the, the the way I choose, I was going to say it's more accurate. It's more accurate to me, obviously. I choose it, and it sounds like you do too. And that kind of then opens the door for an understanding of expanded awareness through the expansion of a field. You know, your field is now going to ha increase your ability to become aware. And it's almost like, uh, it, you know, if you could extend your antenna on your on your stereo or your radio, and now you can pick up all these stations that were too far away to, to, to get, you know. And maybe there was like stations that were right on the border where sometimes you could tune in and sometimes you didn't. Or sometimes you tuned in and it was kind of choppy, you know. But now with your extension of an your antenna, you can tune in and hear it clear, you know. And that's kind of like a metaphor for the messages that we have because there's some times where we kind of feel like we're getting it, but we're not totally sure. And then like we have that psychedelic experience and we're like, no, but now it was crystal clear, man. Like I got the message, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, and so I think field is a great uh, way to put things into a perspective that allows us to understand amplified awareness even better than the way that I had previously described it. So perfect job for you to well, bring you. that up. I hadn't really, th I, had, I don't know, I hadn't really thought of it that deeply, but yeah, it was, and it was like our fields were interacting, the different people in there, because there was the moment where, there's this particular moment where there was this young girl there, and she was weeping, and she was crying, and she was like, she was trying to get something out, and it sounded like it was stuck, and she was just, uh, uh, she was like trying to work this, and I could feel it coming off of her, and I was like, it was so, like, I don't know, dude, it's emotional right now just to think about it. It was so like dark and heavy and like I kind of knew what it was. 
and I wanted to like go comfort her. But then I have this like mother ayahuasca is talking to me and she's telling me, no, like this is her process. She needs to go through this and we're working on you. So don't think that you're, you know, don't conflate, like it's okay to have this experience, but don't, don't misconstrue what's happening here. And she tells me, just look, if you want to just send her your love, like you can do it, just emanate, just push your love to her and she'll get it. And I was like, okay, okay, that's what I'll do. And of course I'm incapable of moving at this point anyway. So if I wanted to go physically comfort her, it's not gonna happen. And so that's what I do for this period of time is I'm just like trying to like physically like force this like feeling of, of love and acceptance out towards her. And I mean, I don't, it seemed like it was, we were working in tandem for a period of time, you know, but maybe that was just on my end. Cause then I also got the sense like, okay, you thought this was about helping her, but what you didn't really understand was this is a, your own work that you need to do to give to others without expecting something in return. So it's like a, like I thought I was helping her, but in reality, I was helping myself in a way. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of moving past what we're talking about as far as resonating fields and whatnot. But it seemed like we were both kind of moving with each other in a way and, and other people in the ceremony as well. Um, and it felt like sometimes their, their experience was reaching into mine and it felt like sometimes my experience was reaching into theirs. And it was like, we were kind of like moving back and forth. In a, in a curious way, but also in a very intense and serious way, uh, because like in that moment, I felt like I have to help her. Like, you know, I just had that feeling like I have to help her. And, uh, uh, you know, that's that's what I was told to do. And I did it. And I think that it, you know, whatever it was, it was amazing. <laughs> um, well, I think that's a great lead in to kind of like the the, the general uh, lessons that can be learned f through not just ayahuasca as a substance, but really the the, the culture and the, the ideologies and methodologies that surround the use of ayahuasca, because ayahuasca is very unique, something that DMT doesn't have or LSD or MDMA or even mushrooms. They It has such a intact cultural heritage of use. This tradition, um, to me, plays a, a equally if not more important role in the experience that people have because you know the ceremony for example we don't have dmt ceremonies or at least we don't have a historical lineage of dmt ceremonies or or even mushroom ceremonies although i do think there probably were mushroom ceremonies we've kind of lost that with the indigenous people um of the in the places where those substances were used but thankfully we haven't lost the ayahuasca ceremony and and the the tradition extending out from how to use it properly you know and i think it's so in, important and one of the most compelling and core ideologies within that tradition and within that culture is the idea of nature uh, you know it's all it's all nature we are nature animals are nature plants are nature weather is nature mountains are nature rivers are nature i know that sounds kind of generic or whatever but it's all one nature this one body that's all working together just like i have my body but yet upon closer inspection what we know biologically is that i've got like 5 trillion cells 
that are all individual. You could take a cell out of my body and it will still live for a little while. And, you know, it's an individual. It's got its own like circulatory system and excretory system and reproductive system. It's got, you know, it's like this complete little dude. And yet I've got five trillion of them in me that make me, me. And, and so I, my body, whatever you want to call me, I, there's five trillion of us, you know, and we all like combine or there's way more than trillions, but whatever, we all are combining to form this giant body of the earth. And then the earth is just like one little cell in this giant, you know, so it's fucking amazing. Like, and psychedelics help us to like realize that. But what you were talking about, like, you knew you had to help, but then you realized that you were helping yourself. Well, that's the whole point of it. You know, like nature helps itself because it benefits from the help. Like it's so it's so easy when we look at it happen in nature. But unfortunately, we've forgotten that we're a part of that. Like we are nature. We're we're animals, too. You know, we were. We were created by the same nature that made trees and mountains and rivers and, and animals. And, and so I think that a lot of problems that we're having now come from an ideology that we've unfortunately adopted that thinks that we're alone, you know, that thinks like, oh, it's, it's me against the world, you know, and you're like, well, no, that's totally wrong. But as long as you hold on to that perspective, then you will separate yourself from the world that you are actually intimately connected to. But of course, you can choose to separate yourself. A cell could choose to separate itself from my body. It would die. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't go well for it, but it could choose to do that. And and so I feel like understanding that ideology of the indigenous traditions and the indigenous culture that use ayahuasca especially but almost in you know inevitably every indigenous culture understood this once we can reconnect with our true identity as a part of nature then we can have that 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 helping and receiving you know that giving and taking that breathing in and out through uh the 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 love of nature the energy of nature and that is like to me that the ultimate medicine that that's that is actually what heals you you know when you cut yourself and it heals that is nature you know that's that's like it's built into us as nature you don't heal your cut you just give it the best environment so that it can heal itself when you break a bone you don't heal the bone you just put it back in the best place it can be and then wait, and then it heals, you know, and, and that's the, the true essence of, of healing. And, and that's, that's all based on our interconnectivity as natural elements of a greater whole. And that's something that I think the psychedelic experience, like, is such a common theme, you know, and, but beyond the psychedelic experience, it is like, a common theme of human culture, like all of our ancestors and all of their ancestral traditions, their methodologies and ideologies, they're all pointing to very, very similar things to the point where thankfully a religion of Buddhism like kind of retained it in an in a eloquent way, you know, to still express that. 
whereas the other religions that were essentially the byproducts of shamanic traditions that used psychotropic substances, including Buddhism, but especially the other religions like from our culture, they kind of lost their way a bit. You know, they don't really have that eloquence uh, in description anymore. And, you know, I don't want to get into some sort of weird conspiracy theory about them, but it's time for us to get back to the pre-religion you know, let's get back to the pre-religious organizations, methodologies and ideologies, because it seemed like that was what kept us healthy and in harmonious ba uh, balance with nature. And, uh, you know, what you're talking about now, I just recently listened to, obviously, I like the Joe Rogan podcast, and he recently had uh, Brian Murarescu on there with, with Graham Hancock. Hancock. That was fucking yeah. awesome, man. It that was, was so fucking awesome. awesome. I love Graham Hancock. I just finished reading Supernatural a few days ago, and dude, that book that book just blew my mind. It was amazing. I can't. I'm about to start his latest one, but uh, they were discussing all this. Wait, what, did what you they, read Magicians of the Gods? No. Uh -uh. Oh man, read I mean, America Before is is awesome, but Magicians of the Gods that to me was the the best of of them the all. Magnum the magnum opus yeah for real yeah okay i'll check that one out next yeah. because i know I, i'm I'm, ex, I'm excited to read uh america before but i kind of like his more esoteric or uh you know more psychedelically inclined stuff and so yeah i'd love to check that out but uh kind of just to curtail on what you're talking about and what something that they were heavily discussing during that podcast and i'm sure is covered well in the book is this idea that many of our Western or what's a better way to say it, the Abrahamic religions are religious cults now of secondhand information passed down from not secondhand, but hundreds, maybe thousands of hands, you know, over years and time. And uh, no one's having this actual personal experience. And that's what psychedelic experience offers to you, you know, and uh, I've made this challenge because I grew up in a very intensely devout Southern style Christian culture. And uh, they know the truth and everyone else is going to hell. And it's so bizarre to, you know, now as I look back on that, I'm like, this is the most arrogant and it's not even it's it's. Arrogance not even the right word. It's like ignorant. Like, how can you possibly think? Like, you know, there are billions of other people who think that you're wrong and that you're going to go to hell, right? Like, how do you uh, make that balance in your mind? I don't know. Um, and I've challenged people, you know, that I grew up with to like, hey, look, dude, I've tried your method for years. I know the ins and outs of it. I get it. I've know all, I've read the book several times. Like I get it. Why don't you try my method one time and see, see how that plays out for you? You know, why don't you just try this one time? And no one will do it because, you know, I think that that kind of comes down to an egoic fear, you know, which is something that I undergo, I experienced in almost every initialization of a psychedelic experience and I, I understand what it is now it's a part of me struggling because it knows it's about to be annihilated or at the very least challenged in an extreme way and so it's like this part of me is saying no don't do this again like don't do this to me again like please like I just had my first toad ceremony like two weeks ago and I was fucking terrified I don't know why I just like 
I almost backed out. I was like, I don't think I can do this. I don't like, I, I don't know. I'm really struggling with this fear right now. And finally me and the, me and the facilitator worked our way through it and I did it and it was beautiful. It was fucking uh, un, incredibly profound and unbelievable loving experience with light and infinity and all this. I've talked about this at length already. Um, the ego plays a, uh, like a, a, to me, it's like this hilarious, uh, this the loop where you're like, I don't know, man, I'm super scared. I'm super scared. And then eventually you're been super scared for so long that your ego like flips it. And you're like, what are you just being some baby? And you're like, wait, 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 like, aren't you the one that was scared? And now you're like criticizing me for being scared. And then you like work yourself back into the loop where you're like, dude, fucking take this shit. Stop being a baby. You're like, wait, I thought yeah. you were the, weren't you being scared? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I, I play that game all the time. And, you know, I, I try to usually let the the more, I don't know, masculine energy win where I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up and drink this shit and just do it. <laughs> you know, like, uh, and, you know, that usually works out well for me, oddly enough. Um, but I do it with respect. And, you know, the fear for me is not it's a part of the experience. That's the gauntlet for me. I have to go through that, too. It's necessary for me. I have to be afraid, face it, do it anyway, come through on the other side. And that's just part of my lesson. And I have to learn it over and over and over because I don't get it yet. Um, and maybe I'll never get it. Maybe I don't need to get it. Maybe that's just something that I need to go through every now and then to remind myself of vaguely where my place is. But not to tangent too far away from what we were talking about. Um, I think one, that a one lot last of comment that I wanted to add, like if you're not afraid of it and you don't have to deal with any of that, to me, the likelihood that the impact it's going to have on your life will be equal. It, it it seems less likely, you know. Like if you're doing something and it's like kind of casual for you, or like yeah, I, I, yeah, I did the talk of uh, the toad the other day. It was cool, you know. Like you're like what, you know? Yeah. But, but, but when you like, if you work yourself up, we're like, oh my gosh, that's, I gotta like, you know, I gotta like dig deep. I gotta find the the courage or whatever and do it. Uh -huh. You you already like fertilize the soil to have this beautiful experience. You know, when you plant that seed in this fertile soil, you're like brilliant. You're you've really heightened your, your, your emotional state, you know, and it's, and it's, it's partially evolution because there's a part of you that is physically afraid. Maybe I'm going to die because these experiences often take you to, for all intents and purposes, what is death? Like you think you're dead. It seems like you're dead. You might as well be fucking dead, except you don't die. You get to come back. Maybe, I don't know. This all could be a simulation. I could be in a tank <laughs> right now. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm tangenting here. Um, well, I, I I mean, it goes back. I'm sorry, and we'll, we'll get back to it. I, I whatever. Yeah, yeah, we're, no we're worries. Just talking. Um, yeah. <laughs> in that podcast, you know, he he made a point that that stuck with me, although it might have like slipped past a lot of people. But he was talking about the um, illusion, uh, like ceremony, and that it was this thing that you did, like that people did where they met the goddess. He, that's how he referred to it, um, this, this guy, Brian. And, um, and that some people would do it just once in their life, you know? And, and I began to think like, man, what if like, you know, we, we live in this kind of really fortunate time where it's like, oh, have you tried DMT? Oh no, I did mushrooms though. Or oh, what about MDMA? Oh, I'm gonna take LSD. Like we've got kind of this like 
cornucopia of options to have these types of experiences. And there's all these books written about it. There's freaking documentary films and, and like, you know, it's, it's there. Even if it's in, even if it's like on the edge of our culture, it's totally there. Whereas I'm imagining there was this one place like on the planet, at least that anyone else knew in, in that time. And that was the place where you went to have this fucking unbelievable experience. And so what if your buildup was like 10 years long, you know, where you're like, I'm going to yeah. make a pilgrimage to this place when I'm 35, you know, and that like yeah. by the time you get to that experience, you've had this like decade long buildup the impact, the power, you know, of what that, mm -hmm. the meaning to you of what that experience would be like, could just be like epic, like beyond what we could possibly imagine. Yeah. And I, and I found, you know, that's kind of how my ayahuasca experience was because I built it up for years and I kind of like fantasized about it and, and thought about it and, and all these things. Yeah. And it, and it, it just built and built and built until that moment there when I have the cup and, he, the maestro says, salute. Now, are you going to drink it or are you going to back out? Like, this is the moment. This is the last chance, you know, and then you, you do what you, whatever you're going to do. Um, but another point that I was trying to get to that I forgot, but I remember it now. Uh, it's funny. I find it funny kind of backtracking a little bit here to these, uh, to the culture that I grew up in the religious culture, highly restrictive. Everything is a sin, all your natural desires and these things that you need and want as a human are filthy and these just bizarre concepts that you teach to children like it's so complex and like why the fuck would you teach that to a kid like i don't see what the point would be um but that's a whole nother conversation um but it's funny because these same people that are still a, a cursory part of my life people that i know acquaintances from from times gone by are like I can't believe you're just doing all these drugs and this and that. I'm like, bro, you realize this shit is not fun, right? Like I am, I'm having to like gather every ounce of my willpower and courage and strength to undergo these experiences. Like I'm not just skipping through daisies, eating mushrooms with fucking forest animals, dude. I'm like, I'm on the precipice of death itself, you know? <laughs> like, it seems that way anyways. And I just find it hilarious where they're like, oh, you're just doing drugs. I'm like, okay, that's one way to put it. I don't know. Like, I can't describe this to you any other way. You have to drink this shit and then you'll know. Like, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, this is a crazy topic, but even just the whole concept of drugs is so messed up, you know, where you've, you literally like, I don't know who you're talking about, but it, in general, you have like some person wagging their finger, like you're just doing drugs. Why don't you to get like your shit together and take these pills that I take every day, you know, that instead of doing those drugs, you know, just take, I take 17 of these cause I have all these problems. And I, I, but these aren't drugs like these, this is what I do oh, have back pain. So I, I am taking opiates that are stronger than heroin every day, but that isn't a drug. I've got back pain, you know, oh, yeah, I, I, I do take these like, these. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like th that, that whole world of, of bullshit. But, but yeah, like getting back to that podcast, you know, how brilliant is it 
to just be like, hey, you're so devout in your in your Christian faith. You know where that came from? You know, you, you know what the people that that were uh, that started your religion were doing? They were doing psychedelics. And yeah. and that's and, and that was always something that was kind of amazing to me was it you know i'm not very religious if you couldn't guess at least not very christian um but it seems like if to become a saint and these special people moses and you know like these kind of like ultra famous people you had to have a psychedelic experience (laughs) you know like of course it wasn't said that you had a psychedelic experience it's it was said that you talked to god in the form of a burning bush you know mm-hmm. that happens of course yeah. people talk to burning bushes and they get messages about how to live their life that's legitimate you know that's yeah. real let's trust that what do you say okay let's do that but yeah. if you take a a drug and talk to a fucking tree and it tells it well that's ridiculous you know like yeah. you're like wait a second hold up you know yeah how is it that you can talk to an angel that came down from heaven and gave you a message but if i talk to a spirit that came out of the forest i'm like wait what you know like yeah. <laughs> which one is real and to me like we have you know now that you've done psychedelics once you get kind of like start to look from a psychedelic perspective i guess you start to see dude these guys were tripping you know like yeah. most without a doubt was tripping in fact that uh udi um what's his name benny shannon in his book antipodes of the mind which graham hancock re- referenced in that podcast he wrote articles about how he feels quite confident that moses and the, and the, his followers were eating mana which was the bread of life that would grow on the ground in one day, it would appear after the rain, and it was most likely a psychedelic mushroom. And yeah, that happens where I live in Cowshit, and I go out there and pick the bread of life all the time. It's fantastic. Right. And, <laughs> and you you can like go up onto a mountain and talk to a burning bush and, and get real insight. And the point of that was the insight, you know? The insight yeah. was real. Yeah. But and I, and yeah, we, I, we've got... Uh, we, we live in a crazy world, that's for sure. We do, man. We're getting on in time here, and uh, I know you're a busy dude and you got stuff to do. Why don't we? Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about specifically the Ayahuasca Foundation, what kind of retreats you offer, what kind of ceremonial offerings you have? Maybe, you know, just tell us about the Ayahuasca Foundation in general, where people can find information, stuff like that. Sure. The easiest way is just to visit our website, which is ayahuascafoundation.org. That's A-Y-A-H-U-A-S-C-A Foundation. Um, We offer retreats that are for healing. Um, So we, you know, you can come to a program and our shortest program right now is eight days. Our longest program is four weeks. But then we also have educational courses that we call initiation courses. They're two months long and they're in a different location. And that's where we teach the principles of the Shipibo indigenous tradition. Um, And Along the way, regardless of how long a retreat you do, we also include like educational aspects of it because it's just uh, it's going to increase the the benefit that you receive if you understand the process, because you'll be able to engage and participate in that process more with greater understanding of it. So I'm definitely like passionate about the education. We also are conducting research 
Um, like I said, that was funded by the British Medical Research Council. Now we're like expanding that into the phase two study. And when I say we, our center is just hosting the research. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a researcher, but we provide this, the space for it and you know our team and our coranderos and everyone. Um, and so we're kind of in a collaborative uh, relationship with them. And, and yeah, like I, we have uh, all of our like social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram at Ayahuasca Foundation, Twitter at Ayahuasca Found, Facebook, Ayahuasca Foundation Retreats, and YouTube. On the YouTube channel, I just recently did a 10-episode series called Lessons from Ayahuasca, where I talk a lot about my own personal experiences and observations and how they relate to things that we can do in our lives to feel more satisfied and fulfilled with how we live and who we are. And it's kind of intended for people that, you know, of course, it's beneficial if you do think you're going to drink ayahuasca, but it's kind of intended for people that don't think that they're going to drink ayahuasca, at least maybe not yet, but could still benefit from receiving those messages, kind of like, you know, the burning bush, I guess. Um, but, um, but fuck, I wish that we could just talk for, for hours and hours. I could definitely talk uh, for a long time with you. So do I, man. I really, I really enjoyed talking with you. Um, we'll do this again because we barely even touched the surface of a lot of these things. Even the things we kind of went deeper into, we still there's a lot to unpack there. And uh, I'm, I'm currently uh, traveling in South America. I actually was in Mexico for a month, then Puerto Rico, and I'm in Colombia now. So I'm kind of making my way into Peru, and I'm, I'm, I'm in that portion of building the emotional intensity in myself so you know because I'm, I'm getting ready to go back in to drink ayahuasca a few more times i'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like at this point but i can feel it already building you know um it's it's slightly alleviated though because my experience with the toad was so it was it was just so profound in a different way than ayahuasca you know ayahuasca is really a gauntlet it's really a like a a long drawn out a series of variously intense sensations and experiences, whatever, all the things we discussed just now. But the toad really gave me this sense of peace and calm and really like a clear picture of what seems to be the afterlife or wherever we go when this iteration of reality transmutes and we die or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Um, but it seems that I was in that place for a few minutes and that really has kind of alleviated a lot of my generalized anxiety and fear around death or just existing, you know, in this American life, there's a lot of anxiety around like being successful, having a good job, yada, 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 and all these other things that kind of build up and beat us up. And it's like that experience kind of like wiped a lot of that away. So uh, I'm feeling pretty feeling pretty solid in that aspect right now. That really was a game changer, you know, as are all these experiences, obviously. Um, but that one was particularly calming or it was so peaceful. Have you, you smoked toad? Uh-uh. No, I'm very curious about it. In fact, now that you, like listening to you the last three minutes while you're talking about it, I was like, <laughs> I think that might be what something I need to do. I think so. Um, I don't know, man. It was—it's a horse of a different color, you know. It's completely different from 
the DMT that we're both familiar with in effect. Uh, but uh, if you want, if you want like a full breakdown of my experience, which was pretty intense, I'll send you like a transcript of it because I wrote about it at length, and it's it was fucking amazing, man. Um, I won't bore listeners with that because I've talked to them too much about it as is. But anyways, Carlos, I really appreciate you joining me on Psychedelicast, dude. The Ayahuasca Foundation, super cool what you're doing. I'd love to come out there and, and visit with you guys. Um, maybe I'll end up there. We'll see how it goes. I, I was going to say, man, if you're going to be in Peru, I mean, definitely let me know if you're there. And at the very least, we could get together. I'm in Massachusetts right now, but I have a ticket to go back to Peru next week. So I'll be back in Peru. I'm not sure what your timeline is, but... We, regardless, just let me know if we're in the same town. Obviously, we should meet up. Yeah, yeah, no, just I'm, to get a, something to drink. Absolutely, I'd love to do that, dude. I would love to do that. Uh, I think I'm gonna be there early next month ish. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of tentative. We'll see how it goes. But dude, I'll reach out to you because I'm gonna go to Iquitos for sure. Um, so yeah, I'll reach out to you, and that would be awesome to meet you and and maybe come drink ayahuasca at the Ayahuasca Foundation. We'll see how it goes. Awesome, man. Thanks well, a lot, again, brother. thanks for having me on your show. I wish you the best of luck, safe travels, and uh, I look forward to connecting again. Ah, uh, Sam here, man. Thank you so much. There you go, my boy Carlos Tanner of the Ayahuasca Foundation. Super great to talk to this guy, man. He was awesome. Uh, super easy to to uh, engage in discourse with, and just an, an all around nice guy. So, you know, Carlos, I know you're a busy dude. You'll probably never listen to this, but if you happen to do so, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate that. And super cool and synchronistic that, you know, that the Ayahuasca Foundation is involved in all this clinical research. And then it has this promotional kick from the, uh, from the, uh, down to earth series with Zach Efron. Super cool shit, man. Um, I'm really excited to see what all takes place with uh, Carlos and uh, the Ayahuasca Foundation. And as I prepare to move into Brazil this coming month and hopefully into Peru, I am genuinely going to try to make it out into Iquitos to meet up and do a face-to-face interview with Carlos. That would be super, super cool, and I'm really going to try to make that happen for you guys and for myself because I really want to meet the dude. With that being said, guys, one last time, I will implore you, if you like the stuff that you're hearing here, if you enjoyed this interview, if you want to hear our No Trip Sitter episodes where I read my uh, writings on psychedelia and otherwise, come join us at www.patreon.com slash psychedelicast. Become one of our Psychedelicast psychonauts. Enter the void with us for only $3 a month. You're going to get four extra episodes per month. That's 75 cents an episode you're paying for. Uh, You're also going to get the opportunity to come on the show and share your own psychedelic experiences with other Psychedelicast psychonauts. $3, y'all. Join us on Patreon. www.patreon.com slash psychedelicast. With all that being said, we certainly appreciate you guys joining us here on the free feed. Um, Let's do a quote and let you guys go for the week, okay? How about that? And we'll leave you with this one today from Mr. Gerard Armand Powell of Rhythmia Ayahuasca Retreat Center. When we do plant medicine and we see love, we realize right then and there that it was never apart from us, that in fact, it was a part of us all along. Thank you so much for joining us on another interview segment with Carlos Tanner of the Ayahuasca Foundation Psychedelicasters. It's always a pleasure to bring this uh, content to you. And as always, we greatly, greatly appreciate you 
taking the time out of your busy day to join us in the attempt to pry open the third eye. Take care of yourselves. We love you. <laughs>